0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life Moscow Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Here we are uh, flying through our, our uh, Forever Change series, and so this week we get to focus on somebody that we know for sure was forever changed, and this was the uh, adulterous woman. And we know she was forever changed because she didn't get killed that day, and that's pretty cool. Um, that Jesus saves us one person at a time, and he did that with her. So I want us to dive in and look at it in the text. We'll pull some things out of there, and then I'm going to happily hand off the journey that the Lord has taken me on this week and give it to you to chew on for a week and see if that means anything to you. So we're in John 8. Uh, At dawn, which is important to know that this was in the morning after something else had happened, at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him and sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. That's always great when you make a giant mistake that the world gets to have pointed out. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Uh, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this uh, question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. We'll get back to that in a second. But they wanted to trap Jesus. Why is that? But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Lots of cool stuff about this. Uh, When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And then stooped back down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her woman Where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. We talk about favorite Bible verses and things that are going on that you like in the text and you don't like or whatever things we're wrestling with. This week, this thing hit me like a ton of bricks. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now, now, go now and leave your life of sin. She deserved to die according to their law. I ever wonder if like, if I could just get what I deserved, I'm like, I don't really want what I deserved. If I got what I deserved, it wouldn't be great. And so as we're thinking about this uh, this week, what, when we're looking at, why are they mad at Jesus? Why do they want to trap him? What happened to make them mad at Jesus. And so we find it right before in the, in, the, in the previous verse. We find it right here in John uh, 7, 37 and 38. And so let me break this down to you, what's happening. This is uh, Hoshana Rabat's the last day of this great feast of, of, in Sukkot. And uh, we've heard this before. They have the palm fronds. And in their culture, like rain is life or death. Can you imagine living in a place where your crops depended on whether or not it rained or didn't rain and how well you did? Can you even fathom that? Oh, yeah, you can, because we live there. Uh, but similar to that, uh, this is the desert. 70% of Israel is desert, wasteland, moon, something. It just, it's weird. Like, oh, there's a camel on the top of this desert. Okay, great, and keep driving. And more desert and more desert. And so water matters to them, and they need the Lord to save them. And so they have this big festival. So imagine with me, if you will, the Kibbe Dome is full of people, just jam-packed to the rafters. There's people in the, in the, uh, all the way down the floor, up in the aisleways, and then there's like this little altar that's going up to the top there. And we all have palm fronds. How, how many people can fit in the Kibbe Dome? Like 15,000, 10,000, 12,000? No numbers? Sure. Lots. More than in here. And so we all have our palm fronds, and we're shaking them, and we're saying, Hoshanaa. Hosanna, Hosanna, which means God save us. The word Hosanna from that, God save us. And what is they need to be saved from? They need to be saved because they need some water. They need, they're celebrating what God has already done, and now they're, they're going to die if he doesn't bring rain in its season. And so the high priest is coming up with this, with this pitcher of water and every, we're going nuts in here. It's just like, yeah, we won the national championship. Woo! But we're like freaking out, right? And we're right in the middle of that. And then he gets up to the top and everybody goes. Whoo! Super quiet. And the priest pours the water on the altar. And then some dude, there's always one in a crowd, stands up. It's supposed to be quiet. This is an awesome, intimate moment where God is coming to this. And then there's that guy. And that guy happened to be our Lord, which we're pretty excited about. And so it says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood, which is interesting. You don't stand to teach, but he did. He stood and he said in a loud voice. So imagine, there we all are. we got our pom poms. We're jacked, right? It's quiet. And this guy stands up and he yells, let anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And these guys are like, what is up? Right in the middle of our ceremony, right at the high point of this festival that we're having some guy comes up and what does he claim to be maybe they were thinking of Jeremiah God is talking to Jeremiah and God says my people have committed two sins they have forsaken me the spring of living water what did he just call himself the spring of living water and they have dug their own cisterns broken cisterns that cannot hold water wait what did what did Jesus say On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow through them. He just claimed to be Messiah. He just claimed to be God. And that is why the Pharisees want to get him. And that is why they violate their own laws. And that is why they're bringing this lady here. Doesn't it take, I'm a little sheltered doesn't it take two people to commit adultery like i would think that the where where's the dude in the haste to hurry up and get jesus you forgot to bring somebody cuz there should be two people standing there but we're going to get him we're going to get this jesus guy cuz he claimed to be god and isn't it interesting the timing of things and how that happens. Maybe they were thinking Isaiah 55 where he says, come all to you who are thirsty. So when you think about Israel, I want you to think about this, minus that plant. I didn't see that many of those when I was there. <laughs> Arid desert moon, like if it had no gravity, it would look like the moon, like moon rock, just like wow, nothing. And so living water matters. And to claim to be living water, you're claiming in that culture, who gives living water in that culture? Who gives it to you? God, and he just claimed to be that. Weird, in Israel, there's this place called En Gedi, and it's just the springs of living water in the middle of nothing. It makes zero sense why it's there, but you're certainly glad it's there after you've hiked your tail off for about four and a half miles, and you get to it, and you get to lay in it, and you're like, it's gonna be refreshing. Oh, no, it's like 82 degrees. But anyway, um, you know, it's still awesome, but living water matters. And Jesus claims to be living water. Come and drink from me. There's all these, these connections about water and, and what, what it is there. And so when we think about this, the timing is also interesting. We understand what the punishment is from adult, for adultery, the law that they're quoting. Uh, one of them is here in uh, Deuteronomy. If a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, both the man who slept with her and that woman must die. You must purge the evil from Israel. So here's the trap they're setting. Which law do you want to violate Jesus? Do you want to violate Roman law? And in, Rome, in Roman law, you can't, you can't exercise capital punishment as a Jew. They do that. That's why, that's why they crucified Jesus. That's like They're exercising capital punishment. So you can't do that. But in Jewish law, if they let this adulterer, uh, adulterous woman live, they're violating Jewish law. So which one do you want to violate Jesus? You pick, because we got you. But he's smarter than they are, so they didn't get him. Because he just says, hey, well, great, let's violate it together. Like There's all kinds of speculation on what he was writing in the sand and different places it takes us to the text, but let's violate it together. You you who are innocent, throw the first stone. And so as I started thinking about uh, this, and the timing of this is super interesting. It comes on the, the, he says, at dawn, which is the next day. So in the Jewish world, there's uh, uh, Yom Kippur, which is uh, for uh, atonement. And you have 10 days to evaluate yourself and your life, like we probably shouldn't do this, but 10 days to evaluate the last year of where you're at and to go make it right. Because we even talked about last week that you want to be an expert relationally with God, which requires us to ask for forgiveness because we kind of know when we blow it and we don't want to embarrass our Lord. We want to be an expert relationally here and we want to be an expert relationally here. So there's a fairly high chance that if any of you hang out with me long enough, I have offended you. And there's a fairly high chance that we're going to need to ask for forgiveness of each other back and forth. So they give this opportunity to get your debts cleaned up, to get all your stuff cleaned up. And isn't it interesting how they bring this lady who was caught in adultery, sorry, you're a day too late. This festival's over. You missed. You missed it. You missed the chance to have your sins forgiven. So let's, let's get her. Let's get her and let's get Jesus. And as I started to, to roll through this this week, uh, it just made me think more about how timing is everything. You know, my daughter and I were coming back from a, uh, my son's baseball game in, in my uh, truck one time. I had this, uh, this beautiful gold Ford truck. You probably didn't notice it ever. Um, I don't have it anymore. Uh, but we were cruising back from uh, Whirly. We were come, just getting on the freeway, and we were just getting up to speed. We were doing 65 miles an hour because I go the speed limit. And um, we were cruising along there, and we were going, and I was, she was kind of crashing out a little bit, and we were driving along. And it happened so fast. All we were doing is another car was coming this way, and all I had time to do was kind of just maybe just move my hand like that much. And you hear this explosion. And we clipped mirrors at 65 miles an hour. Apparently it was the same type of truck as mine because our mirrors lined up perfectly. And the mirror blew up and it embedded the, the, the mirror into the side of my window. The mirror glass pitted the side of my window of my truck. And the guy kept going. I think I would say, I think he was wrong because I think he crossed the center line and just, I just barely got out of the way. But timing is everything, isn't it? I wouldn't be here today if I had decided to, to reach down and, and, and change, a, change a channel and couldn't move. Or if I was messing around on my phone driving. <laughs> None of us do that, right? Messing around, wouldn't miss it. Because imagine what the devastation would be, two trucks going at each other at 65 miles an hour, and we just catch the front four inches of each other. Timing is everything. And Jesus' timing seems to be pretty amazing here as well. And so as I was going through this this week, I I, I realized that I needed, I, Josh Gray, needed so, so badly from Jesus, what he did for the Pharisees. I needed so, 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 so badly what Jesus did for the adulterous woman. And so what did Jesus do for these groups of people? And why would I submit to you guys that that we need to do the same thing to understand that? So the the adulterous woman seems like, yeah, okay, yes, grace and mercy, yeah, we'll talk about that. Like we can just, yeah, I know, I've heard that before. But what did he do for the Pharisees? And so what kind of caught me by surprise on what he did with the Pharisees, and I think it's a lost art in our culture, is he allowed the Pharisees to save face a little bit. The art of letting people save face. You know, are the Pharisees bad people? We're like, yeah, they killed Jesus. They're horrible. Like, they're, they're bad people. They made some mistakes, but their motives to follow God and to chase Him, if we really dug into it, we'd be like, wow. Like, they are passionate. They are chasing God with all their heart. They're, they believe the right way to love God is by obeying His laws to the fullest. And so when they see this, you know, have you ever been so, so, so locked onto your thoughts on what things are supposed to be? I have. Things are supposed to be that you actually miss the heart of God in it. I've done this through my correctness. I would say I've missed the heart of God hundreds and hundreds of times. Saving face. How do you let someone be wrong Gracefully. And preserve relationship and exit that interaction with giving them still a chance to learn. And I imagine as they went back and like oh, our trap didn't work, but wow, yeah, I couldn't throw the first stone. And backing away and to be, have, have a perspective about what that, how many times are we going to be wrong, but not know it? Remember that time? Carrie, you remember that time when I thought I was wrong, but I wasn't? No, just kidding. Uh, no. <laughs> I've been wrong a lot, right? Just wrong a lot. And so saving face, how many times are we going to be wrong but not know it, but still believe we were right to the bitter end? And destroy relationship in the process. God wants us to be relationship experts with him and with each other, right? And this is a great lesson on saving face. We don't know what really happened to all those Pharisees, but we know that Jesus let them come to their conclusion of their incorrectness and didn't bury them. And I I love this as I was thinking about this this week um, in uh, uh, Ephesians 4. It's not in your notes. You'd have to just know where that is in the New Testament there. Um, There will be, uh, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and Facebook posts and memes and stuff. Oh wait, that's not in the scripture. That was me. Um, and then blown here and there by every wind and uh, teaching and by every cunning and craftiness of ABC or CNN or Fox. or No, NBC. No, that's not in there either. That's me. Um, But instead of doing all of that stuff and making sure somebody knows how wrong they are and making sure that everybody else knows how wrong they are, we speak the truth in love. And when we do that, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So that's what I need from the Pharisees, what I saw Jesus teach the Pharisees. He gave people a chance to save face. And how are we doing? How are we doing? Do you value being correct and right more than you value the relationship? Because who should convict people of their wrongness? The guy with the Bible that just gets to slap everybody and you're beating people with the Bible to death and showing them how wrong they are and flashing it in their face, that's pretty attractive. I want to be a part of that club. Or are we going to let the Holy Spirit convict people? And sometimes he does that through us as we're sitting there with them and they can see it in our eyes. And they can see how much we care about them and how we don't want them to go down a path of destruction. And we understand how to do it so gracefully that they could actually hear what we have to say instead of just saying, you're wrong. So I needed that. I needed that. Now, what did Jesus do for this woman? Saved her life. He reached the world for himself one person at a time. (laughs) Bam, saved her, right? When I think about what he did for this woman, I think about this believable mercy. Maybe Jesus sees this woman as dry and empty. Why would she be caught in adultery? What is it about that culture? Why would they have to use that we say that, you know, that there's a profession that we say is the oldest in the world, but why would that be? Because people didn't take care of the widows, aliens and orphans. And the Pharisees brought this woman who they maybe had a chance to help her atone for her sins, but they wanted to sacrifice her to get their correct point across. And so she is filling her life with earthly pleasures to remove earthly pain and a lot of it. She no doubt knows the consequences for adultery She no doubt knows that that, that she could die for doing what she was doing. Have you ever been that broken? So broken that the consequences didn't matter. We all know folks that have maybe chosen to exit that way. Death was a better alternative than life. The fine line, timing is everything. Jesus is the better alternative. Believable mercy. Shouldn't you and I, as we claim to hopefully be Christians, to be Christ like, to be little Christ, be modeling these things? How can we let people save face? Like they're going to know. They're going to find out that they were wrong. Right? Are you there when they figure it out? Are you, how accepting are you going to be of their, of their apologies? Are you there to provide grace and mercy when they don't even deserve it? Because that was what was done for us. And this happens no matter which camp you're in. If you're in like, I'm, I'm not in that Adulterous person. I've not done that stuff before. I'm doing it right. Okay, Pharisee, we're over here, right? right? Or if we're like, man, I am broken, and I've thought that, you know what? I have thought it's a better way out sometimes. I would submit that I, I needed that so badly what Jesus did for the woman, and I needed it so badly what he did for the Pharisees. So as we come to the table today, we're going to take communion. If you're serving communion, uh, thank you for doing that. Um, And we're going to go back there and grab that. If you're new to our church and you are a believer and you uh, walk with the Lord, uh, this is a chance for you to celebrate with us what Jesus did on the cross. Um, If you're not sure what this thing is, it's not a snack. Um, It's a bad one, too. Uh, kids in here, if you young folks, if you've accepted the Lord, you should partake in this. If you haven't, you should just let it pass by. Uh, but we're going to hold those, and we're going to take it all at the end. And then let's go over some some questions that maybe we could have around our family dinner table. We could talk about these questions around our dinner table. If you're still connecting with your home group, um, you could talk about those questions. I really blew it in my home group last weekend because I was too busy dominating that cornhole at our, uh, our party that we were having over at the park there. I was killing it just and then we didn't talk about the questions, but maybe your, your home group should talk about the questions and be able to do all those things. So let's see uh, some of these things here. So what does it look like for you to forgive yourself and others? Is there something holding you back? Do you think that you've done something so repulsive, so bad, so horrible that not even God himself would forgive you? then we need to talk because he is modeling over and over and over and over that he does not want to be separated from you. You've blown it. Me too. Lots. Already this week. Right? But he invites you to come back and that's one of the things I love about our communion is for me it's like, okay, I'm going to be better next week. I want to be better because I have the Lord walking with me. And when you think about uh, what it looks like, in order to reach the world with Jesus for one person at a time, we need to be great at modeling forgiveness. Are you attracted to a group or a world of people that would let you make mistakes and, 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 or that would make mistakes but come back to you and say, you know what, I've blown it. How many dads in here have had to come to your kids and been like, hey, whoops, I blew it. And apologize, right? Is that endearing to the kids or is that repulsive to the kids? Oh, my dad's honest. He can say that he's made a mistake and he apologizes. Okay. Because forgiveness is a big step towards restoration. It's very tar- hard to, uh, to, to restore something when there's baggage, when there's rust, when there's things. God is in the restoration business, Amen. And he's restoring all of us right now. He's currently restoring my mind, and we're working on the body. It's a big project to work on the body of restoration. But he is in the process of restoring, he is in the business of restoration. And don't you want to be in the same business that God's in? Our job is to restore people to him, not to ourselves, not to the church, not to this name. Our, our job is to restore them to a father in heaven. Introduce them to them. Let, him, let the Holy Spirit work on the conviction. We're in the restoration business, and business is good. If you can't forgive yourself, then you're going to have a very hard time truly forgiving others. And again, if you're in a relationship with me, ask my wife. I'll give you plenty of opportunities to practice forgiveness. Uh, let's look at the second question here. How are you doing at extending grace and mercy to your community? What are some recent examples that you have seen? Write them down. You know what? I saw this person do this. This was awesome. Teach it. Use it. Like, use that lesson with the kids. Use that lesson in your family. And how does that work for us? Are we a church known by the fruits of the spirit? Are we a church that's known for how we love our community? Are we a church for known that we have joy here, that we understand that God created us good and that, that, that we're here and that we're his treasured possession and it's great to be a Christian and it's exciting to be a Christian and, and we're excited to be here because God's doing cool things in our lives or is it like, go to church and get this heavy obligation off my back for the week so I can live how I want to live are we excited to be here? How many of you guys listened to the worship songs this week? If you're not, be friends with us on Facebook. And I was like, that song wasn't new to me. The new song wasn't new to me. You know why? Because I listened to it four times this week, and I sound great in my car. (laughs) And so when I'm here, I'm not worried about what you guys are thinking about me and how my hands are going up or those things. I'm worried about what my Father in heaven thinks about me. I'm worried about am I interacting with him does he understand how much I need him? And you'll see me sometimes up here, I'm like, I'm like a two-year-old wanting to reach to my dad because I need him that much. Do you need him that much? Is it a hobby level Christianity? Or do you gotta have him? Because the woman at the well, not the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, she had to have him, so did the woman at the well too. Had to have him. So is that what we're known for is joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And last, as we practice forgiveness, grace, and mercy, and we think about this idea of living water, and Jesus claims to be living water, who has been living water to you? When you needed it, when you were empty, when it was, and when it was, who do you call at three in the morning when you when it's when it's when you just don't want to be here anymore? What community do you have? And not only that, is God calling you to be living water to someone today? Don't even ask that question of yourself because he will provide the opportunity for you to be living water. Because somebody needs you sitting right here. There's somebody you're gonna run into this week that needs you. Just a word, an encouragement, something. They need you. And you're gonna be that living water to them. You might be that last knot in their rope. So as we come to the table today, we come to the table to seek forgiveness. We come to the table to ask God to renew us so we can go out and do this great work. And so uh, the Lord Jesus, on that night he was betrayed, he took that bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember our Father in heaven. In that same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember what Jesus did for us. Father in heaven, I just uh, thank you for this time today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you've shown me, Lord, this week in your word. I ask that uh, as we all go on that journey, Lord, you meet us where where we are. Lord, if we've been acting like Pharisees and sacrificing being correct instead of relationship, help us. If we're not good at letting other people save face and make mistakes but don't make them pay for it, help us. Lord, if we're at the end of our rope and we just think that maybe it's just better that if we're not here, Lord, call those folks into relationship with you introduce them to their living water. Father, I just ask that the Holy Spirit would just fall upon in this place, upon these people. And we want to go out and represent you well to the world. We want to introduce people to your son. We want to be molded. We want to be changed so you get the glory. Let we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.